You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast, an impactful life podcast designed to share the stories of real people pursuing their own unique purpose in life. Our hope is that through shared experiences, we might be able to relate and encourage others to pursue in life what makes us feel most alive. If these experiences resonate with you, please share this episode with others so that we can continue to impact change. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Kayla, and I am here with my dear friend, Crystal Meehan Waters. Hi, Crystal. Hello, my beautiful friend. Uh, Look, so pretty with my sweaty hair. Um, I'm here with Crystal today to talk on the topic of um, pursuing purpose after the loss of a loved one. And um, I just asked Crystal if she's ever been on a podcast before, in an interview before. And she said, not really like this. Um, and I just think that it's really important to, to kind of shed light on these topics and the fact that so many people feel alone when they're going through things like this. And just to kind of show people that um, it is hard and it's going to always be hard, but there's still potential to find a light in pursuing something that makes you want to wake up every day. Um, So, Crystal, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, um, I grew up in Brooklyn. I came up to Albany, New York to go to school at SUNY Albany. And um, and then I ended up pursuing a career in nursing. And um, I stayed in Albany. And then I worked as a nurse for a little bit. And then decided to become a nurse anesthetist. So I went to school. Um, and I became a nurse anesthetist, and I work at Albany Medical Center, and I love my job. <laughs> when did you become a nurse anesthetist? I, came, I became a nurse anesthetist uh, in the year 2016. I graduated. Okay, like uh, early 2016? Uh, November 2016. When did you get married? Uh, we were married in September of 2016. Okay, so yeah. September 2016, you get married. November, you graduate as a nurse anesthetist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then December 2016, your new husband, Kevin, is diagnosed with what? He was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Um, and it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, esophageal cancer is a rare cancer that um, it's second to pancreatic cancer in its um, prognoses um, in how fatal it can be. Um, And it's a really, it's one of the dangerous cancers that um, can go asymptomatic and um, go from being a small cancer to a very large cancer, uh, stage four cancer in a very short amount of time. And so, um, you know, initially Kevin was uh, misdiagnosed because he was so young and healthy. They thought that this couldn't possibly be a cancer. It had to do with something other than cancer. Um, And, you know, without going into too much detail, um, initially it was thought of being a heart defect. Mm. Um, And then he went in for uh, heart surgery Uh, They ended up um, doing a special test before they did anything with the heart surgery, um, and then they found immediately that it was, in fact, esophageal cancer and not a heart defect. Um, So they aborted the surgery, and they came out, and they told me and his family uh, that he had cancer. What were his symptoms? Why did they think that it was a heart defect? So, you know... um, Kevin had experienced a couple of transient symptoms that he really never shared with me because at the time I was in nurse anesthesia school. Yeah. So he was concerned about stressing me out and me worrying about him. And so he kind of kept it to himself. He had mentioned it to me that he had felt some difficulty swallowing mm-hmm. um, and that he felt like sometimes food was getting stuck. But it happened maybe once or twice, and then it went away. 
Okay. Um, and, and sometimes that's that that is what can happen with cancers. They create these transient uh, symptoms. Yeah. And then they'll go away. You know, okay. they're a little sneaky. Yeah. So, um, leading up to our wedding, he was also trying to lose a little bit of weight. He was by no means overweight. He just wanted to tone up a bit, and so his weight loss was thought to be something that happened naturally as we were, you know, leading up to our wedding. Mm -hmm. And so when he went to the doctors, they said, you know, that he was fine, that it was probably just a little reflux. Um, and they never really did a, what we call an EGD where they scoped the esophagus to see if there was anything more going on because everyone thought that it was this heart defect. Right. So... Did he have, like, a heart defect? Like, did anyone think he had one growing up? No. Um, it was just kind of, like, an incidental finding. Um, okay. Because he had a chest X-ray to see if there was anything going on, and the chest X-ray revealed something strange that looked like it was, uh, was surrounding his esophagus. Okay. But it was, in fact, a tumor. Okay. Um... And so he, instead of going to, you know, gastric specialists, he was going to heart specialists. Right. Um, and so it was, you know, that's where it all started. So misdiagnosis. So this explains a lot about why you are currently, like, so I was thinking about that driving in. I was like, you know, from the outside looking in, you are such a, like, if anyone's, like, not feeling right or, like, you're so on top of, like, this could be this, this could be that, go see a specialist, go go look into this. And from someone who maybe doesn't know your background and your story, it might seem like a little bit, um, what's the word? Like, too worrisome, right? right? Like, oh, like, oh, it's it's nothing. And that's how I was raised. Like, it's nothing. Unless you're bleeding from the ears, like, you're fine. It's nothing. But you have this experience where it was a misdiagnosis. It was transient things that came and went. And, and they turned out to be something. And because you have this experience with, like, a cancer that is so sneaky and cancer can be that way, um, you're just like super on high alert yeah. all the time. It's my critical care, like nursing background as well. It's like our minds naturally go to the worst possible thing. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, it probably should have been on all of the yeah. physicians' minds as well. Just thinking about all the possibilities rather than just thinking about the scope and the right. specialty they, they practice. And so you know, not blaming anyone. Um, Kevin was a very healthy, young, physically active, never did a drug in his day, you know, did the social drinking, but it, we kept it to the weekends, yeah. um, ate healthy, you know, and he, in his past time, was a PE teacher. So, you know, went to the gym all the time. So there was no, you know, risk factors for him. Right. Um, so I can understand right. why it was kind of not thought of. Right, why know? they just thought it was must have been like a defect as right. opposed to something where it's like I think that a lot of times with cancer people think that it's environmental and it has to stem from behavior, right? Especially like esophageal stomach, liver, like things that might be from the way that people eat or the way that they drink or do drugs or smoke or something. Right. I feel like sometimes that's where the doctor's mind goes to when there are those factors. But if he was like living a relatively healthy lifestyle, they just wouldn't look at that. Right. But it's a thing. And, and it's good to have people, I mean, from my perspective, I'm, you know, it's good to have people in your life that know these things and know to look for these things and, you know, hoping that it can help someone down the road in yeah, that way. Sure. Um, but so Kevin gets diagnosed in December and then what? And then we were in for the fight of our lives. Um, <sighs> sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you can cry. Um, I got my big rag over here. <laughs> <laughs> wipe your tears. Um, you can cry. Um, so then it was, you know, you would think that I'm this nurse. I'm in healthcare. 
I have all of these healthcare professionals surrounding me and we know what to do. Right. We know the next steps. Um, we have a healthcare system in place that's going to just provide us with all the answers. And it was in fact quite the opposite. Um, even though I was wholeheartedly supported by my team that I work with at the hospital and our friends and our family, um, navigating the healthcare system with cancer was, was just the most challenging things, thing of our lives. Um, in addition to Kevin fighting for his life. Yeah. Um, and so we just went to work. We were like, we're going to fight this. Um, and you're going to survive. This is not going to be a problem. Um, and he was ready. Mm -hmm. Um, he was digging his heels in and he was ready to do whatever it took to stay here in this world and live. Yeah. Um, and to be there for me, um, and his family. And so we ended up getting, um, different opinions about things um, and unfortunately, with that, um, trying to get the different opinions, waiting for appointments, held up a lot of his treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and he was already at the point where he was pretty sick, and we didn't know. Yeah. We thought that it was like the beginning of his cancer. Yeah. And so, um, you know... There was a little bit of time that 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 I think there was, it, it took too long to get him started on treatment. How and, long? Um, he was diagnosed in December, and he probably didn't start chemo until the end of January. Okay, and that's a long time for esophageal cancer. Yeah, because the cancer, if it's not treated, can grow in a week. Yeah, um, and so we went on this this, you know, journey where we were trying to get the best treatment, the best doctors, the best experience, and we did. Um, but at the same time, we were also trying to not take for granted just our life right. and the time we had together. Um, and that was really tough because, you know, just trying to do both at this, at you know, congruently was just, it, 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 it was overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up going to New York City, and then we finally, um, in May, uh, decided to go we, uh, with a physician in Texas at MD Anderson, and he was really wonderful, and MD Anderson did everything that they could for Kevin. We lived in Texas for a while. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, the cancer just never really went away. It just, it, it, his symptoms were relieved. He was able to eat for a little bit, but um, it just came back yeah. and it metastasized. And um, even though he fought, and I want to believe that he wanted to have hope that he could be here and stay here. I do believe at some point he just kind of knew that it was inevitable. Yeah. Um, and so then we spent our final Thanksgiving together. We spent our final um, Christmas together. And he passed in February. And um, that would be four years ago, coming up this February. I can't believe it's been four years. Yeah, neither can I. I was even telling people uh, a <laughs> months ago, I'm like, it's been three years. And I'm like, no, it's been four years. Like, it's been years. six months. Yeah. yeah. I was looking um, back through our messages. Yeah. So that first message that I sent you, and it, it was May 2018. Yeah. And I was like, 2018? Yeah. No, this was like two years ago. But it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was a very challenging time. Um, 
And I would be remiss in, in saying, in not saying that from the day of diagnosis, um, there was just this outpour of love and support and kindness and just community from people we didn't know, people that were in our lives, um, from the Albany Police Department, from Albany Med. My department didn't really know me at the time. Mm. Yeah, you were new. I was brand new. <laughs> you were you new. Know, I oh had friends that were, that were working in the department, a couple, but this, the, the amount of support that they gave to us was just, it was, it was incredible. And um, it was what we needed. And I, I really don't quite know how people do it on their own. Yeah. Um, and with every treatment that Kevin would have that we would go to together, that we would sit at it for eight hours a day, we would say to one another, I don't know how people do this alone. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's really, it's so sad to think that anyone could do it alone. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but soon after Kevin had passed away, his sister uh, had gotten sick, Megan, and she ended up with a cancer and they were both, she was my age, you know. Um, and then she passed away um, a year later. And so. It's a lot. Family <laughs> has been through a lot. Yeah. You know, and. But here I am. And here you are. <laughs> uh, do you feel like you were like in shock for like a good portion of time after Kevin passed and then his sister passed? Um, yeah, I was. There's, uh, Kevin wanted to prepare me and he wanted to talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I just shut him down. I was like, shut it down. Don't want to talk about it because if we put our minds in that place, yeah, we're going to lose hope. Yeah. So we got to fight and we're going to stay strong and you're going to be here. Yeah. Um, and that, that was my tactic. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I was in denial. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but the reality set in, this is going to hard, be hard to get out. Um, <laughs> but it set in on the morning after Kevin had passed away, um, I was walking out of the house with my nephew, <laughs> William, my eldest nephew. Um, and he was three years old. And everyone had walked out of the house and, and William was walking out of the house with me. And um, Kevin's picture was up and he said to me, he pointed to Kevin, and he said, Oba, he calls me Oba. He said, um, I said, who is that? And he said, OG, he called him OG. Kevin loved that, because, you know, <laughs> he was the OG. Um, but he pointed to him, and he said, did he die? And I just, I had to keep it together. Um, and I knelt down and I said, he did, he did die. Um, but he's always going to be here in your heart. And he said to me, does that mean you're going to be alone? Oh. <laughs> and having that perspective at three years old. Yeah. It was, it was eye-opening for me. For what? I was about <laughs> yeah. to encounter yeah. for the rest of my life, you know, potentially. And 
realizing that this person that I loved and shared my life with for 12 years um, was now gone. Everything I did uh, surrounded Kevin, my decisions, um, my day-to-day -day life. It was like losing a limb yeah. and relearning how to live again. Um, and so it was hard. It, w it was extremely challenging. So I was trying to find all of the ways in which I could distract myself. Yeah. Um, whether it was having dinner with friends, um, going to my family's house, spending time with my nephews and my niece, whatever it could possibly be, I, I just didn't want to be reminded that he wasn't here anymore. Yeah. And I was just trying to find my way. Yeah. Did and you feel like you, like, any hope that you had in, like, good things happening to good people and, like, God taking care of people that deserved it, like, all of the, like, do you feel like your hope was, like, impacted by that? It was pretty severed. Yeah. It, it um, to be completely honest, Kevin and I both lost so much faith. Yeah. In God. Yeah, like how, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, it's like, and it took a long time for me, probably only up until a year ago, for me to regain that faith and trust that I'm here for a reason. And I don't like saying things happen for a reason. Yeah. You know, um, but I know that I'm here for a reason. And I know that Kevin's life, us having him in our lives and his loss was for a reason. Yeah. It was to, to open our eyes up to how life could be, how we could be to one another, you know? And it's what it did for Kevin especially. Yeah. Um, and so I just learned to really live in the moment, live with intention, and live in a purposeful way. Yeah. You know? And I think that that is what saved me. Yeah. Because as I would think far into the future about things, mm. it would create this anxiety in me and discomfort and, and deep depression because I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. I felt very unsafe. I felt like things were unpredictable. Yeah. Um, do, you still do you still feel that way sometimes? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. that like, I don't know about you, I just occurred to me the other day that, so you know that my dad passed in his sleep, and I was like, why do I always have so much anxiety at night? Like, why do I always feel like I'm not going to wake up? And I was like, just thinking about how, you know, logically our minds can know that this isn't going to necessarily happen to you because it's happened to someone else close to you, but that still lives in you still lives like it's it's a permanent imprint on you as a person of course and it's I think that half the battle is like recognizing how you might be living or feeling anxious or you know just feeling some certain way because of that and then it's a whole other thing to try to like tackle that right you know and that's that's just the thing as well is, is just there was a point where I thought that I had to move on or even forget. Yeah. But 
the reality is when it comes to your dad, someone you love, and someone that, that you exchange love with, no matter who it is, mm-hmm. they have this imprint on your heart, they have this imprint in your mind, and it's indelible. It, it will never go away. Yeah. So they're always going to be there. And just trying to recognize that and understand that it's okay mm-hmm. to live with them in your life as if they've, they're here, mm-hmm. it, it's okay. Yeah. Even though some might say that's not healthy, I think it's important because they've had such an impact on our lives. Right. You know? Like not trying to forget about that love or forget about that experience or forget about, you know, how important that person was to you. It's just like allowing it to be there and to live with it. Yeah. And to welcome other things in your life as well. Yeah. Alongside it. For sure. You know, you're in a relationship now. Yes. (laughs) With my brother. (laughs) I love him so much. And it's been interesting, you know, being friends with you first and knowing my brother and having concern for both of you for different reasons in the growing of your relationship from friends to, you know, significant other. And I, like, I remember thinking, like, is my brother going to understand? Is Crystal going to be able to to give my brother what he deserves in a relationship? Is she going to expect my brother to be a certain way that he'll never be? Is she going to expect him to be like Kevin? And I think, and you know, every relationship has their, their, every relationship has a different journey. Um, but I, from what I've seen and what I've spoken to both of you about, I think, (laughs) it's just like it's very it's a beautiful thing (laughs) just like I know that my brother respects Kevin and I know that my brother I don't think thinks that he'll ever take Kevin's place or needs to take Kevin's place I think that both of you understand that your relationship with my brother can grow and evolve alongside yes. your existing love for Kevin. I'm very happy that you recognize that because that's the truth of it. It's, yeah. It's about moving forward with these like two separate, entirely separate yeah. loves. And, you know, Joel is amazing. He's so loving and thoughtful and when anniversaries come up he's just you know the most compassionate but he knows that my love for him is completely separate from my love for Kevin yeah and there was never one time that I compared Joel to Kevin and that's how I knew yeah that's how I knew that he was special and I just feel like it's, it's, it's just the next chapter, you yeah. know? And I was talking to a dear friend of mine, um, who you know, Dana, and she gave me a lot of perspective. And she said her mom had lost her husband at a young age. They never had kids. And she said to Dana, she said, you know, it's hard because I was blessed with you after meeting my new husband, Um, but she still lost her first husband, but Dana was this blessing for her, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I see that and there will never be a silver lining to Kevin's passing. But I recognize what it has opened my life up to. Yeah. Including being 
in this loving relationship with Joel. Yeah. And, and so. And you're a different person. I would imagine, you know, I didn't know you before. I knew you one time before Kevin passed in a brief meeting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I can imagine, I know how giving you are and how loving you are and how compassionate you are and how passionate you are about helping people, um, especially people that are going through situations like you went through. You would never be this version of yourself and not that you would ever trade that. I'm sure most days you'd be like, I'll take that old, I would take that old version of me to have Kevin still here. Yes. But yeah, it's just like your eyes are open to the potential that you, of for yourself, Yeah. right? It's, it's crazy because I feel like I've been thinking a lot lately about how you know, in life, we have relationships, we have loves, but at the end of the day, no relationship is more important than the one that you have with yourself. And no relationship is more important than the love that you have for yourself and the, the willingness to pursue and fight for a life that you alone are, are, happy and fulfilled to show up to yes do you know what I mean yes like you can be in a relationship with someone that you love and you can hate your life and you can love them so much yeah so it's like yes relationships matter and love matters and you know caring for people and being compassionate and, and building relationships like we're not meant to be alone as human beings but if you don't have that time to yourself like you learned so much about who you are alone you learned so much about who you were alone and you learned so much about the impact of compassionate people and people that gave to you and Kevin and gave you that perspective of what you could be for other people when you were ready for that um and I'm sure that that's still a challenging thing to do but you know I've seen you with people with like medical crises and people who are going through cancer and and you're right there like as soon as someone needs someone you know, I, before Kevin was sick, we always think that we can have the deepest empathy for people and compassion and really understand, and we can. But before Kevin was sick, I thought that I was this, you know, like, loving nurse that took care of my patients mm-hmm. and did everything that I could. But once Kevin was sick and we were on the other side, it gave me such a different perspective. Yeah. And when I went back to work that first day after he passed, I just, every patient that I took care of was just, I saw us being there. No matter what it was they were there for. And I'm thankful for that, that I can try and be there for people as much as I could be Mm -hmm. with understanding um definitely I feel like gives a new purpose to your job for sure like so many people can do your job and just show up and and intubate and do the thing and it's easy it's easy to you know disconnect yourself um because everything is so systematic Mm -hmm. um but you know it it was it was hard to to get to that point. Yeah, I was just know? gonna say like how. I'm sure you had like the empathy when you went back to work, and I'm sure that that was there. But would you say that it has yet? Like, does it now? When did it start, or is it still happening? of you like do you feel like you have a purpose or do you feel like you're still figuring it out or do you feel like it's an evolving thing for you so the thought of the thought of of trying to figure out 
what my purpose is and just in general, you know, us as human beings trying to figure out what our purpose is. Um, I think about Kevin and I think about what he went through and I think about all the conversations that we had even before he got sick and while he was sick, questioning his purpose. Mm-hmm. It was something he questioned all the time. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure if he realized what his purpose was. And now I believe that sometimes we will never know. Yeah. And our purpose here on this earth happens and people see it and we may never know it. Yeah. And I truly feel that Kevin's purpose here was to bring everyone together, to bring that kindness and compassion out of people. Yeah. To allow people to relive that um, and to allow me to carry that on, mm-hmm. you know? And so I see myself now, there was a time where, you know, I, I was thinking, well, my purpose was to take care of Kevin. Mm-hmm. And if I died tomorrow, that's it. I'm fine. My purpose is fulfilled. But that was a really dark place that I was in. Mm-hmm. It's a very depressed way of thinking and very sad way of thinking. Um, because that's also not the way Kevin would want me to think. Right. Um, and so I feel that how I carry on my, with my life, how I treat people, and again, coming back to living with each every and every moment with intention and in a purposeful way. Mm-hmm. I will hopefully carry out that desire to have purpose in life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I think... I think you're right. Like, I... I think sometimes we get like caught up in like my purpose is to be a nurse anesthetist. My purpose is to own a CrossFit gym. And I remember before I opened the gym, I thought my purpose to be to leave the world a better place than how I found it, to leave people in the world a better place than how I found it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, businesses and relationships evolve and you kind of pigeonhole yourself into like this is my purpose now like cftp crossfit for the people is my purpose and that can almost be like a trick it can be a trap and that's when you like attach your identity to something a job a label the name of some organization or whatever and it's like well what is what what are you able to do within that and i think you know the fact that you have your job but you also had your relationship and your journey with Kevin and you have this part of Kevin that you know needs to live on as like a legacy of Kevin yes that your purpose isn't attached to one thing it's in a way of living and I love that (laughs) and that's really important and I think especially for and I think that people struggle with that I think that Again, it's really hard when people are, you know, clocking into a nine-to-five job and sitting down behind a, a computer screen and they hate their job and they hate the people that they work with and they're like, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. Right. And I think I sent you one of the podcasts. I don't know. I send you like 10 a day. Um, but one I was listening to the other day was like, you can still fulfill your purpose working a job that you hate. Absolutely. You can still fulfill your purpose sitting beside your 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 sick husbands like it's not a you know this is this is a shit situation so I I can I'm not living my purpose or I can't live my purpose and yes it's hard and it's more challenging that way but it's like taking that step back and saying well what is this teaching me and what can I take from this and how can I treat people that I encounter at the grocery store or in the gym or my family, you know, the ways that we interact with our parents and our siblings. Yes. <laughs> All of that is just that, I think, again, you know, 
the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the pursuit of purpose. And I want to talk to people who, you know, have pursued purpose in, in a specific way, but I think it's more important for people to navigate purpose through depression, through loss, through the times in our lives, you know, and sometimes it's not the loss of a significant other. Sometimes it's the loss of a child. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Being, you know, a 50-year-old woman or husband or 60 years old and you lose a child. And then, you know, your identity has been so attached to them for your whole life. And now who are you? Right. You know, what's your purpose in life if it's not to be a parent anymore? Right. You know? And, you know, that's just the thing is that I think that we naturally, we get attached to the thought of what's my purpose why am I intended to be here? And because we're so attached to this thought process and we're constantly chasing, we become distracted. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then that distraction leads to us not being mindful. And I feel like if we just allow it to unfold organically and naturally, the purpose will kind of find us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Naturally and organically in who we are. Right. And how we show up, right. I think. It's like that, um, who said that quote? Mm, Oprah? <laughs> Maya Angelou? One of the good ones. They used to always like share each other's things, but um, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that, you know, it's so hard, though, like, and every loss is different. I think, you know, about the losses that I've experienced or people in my life have experienced through suicide. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's a whole other dark place. That's, That's a whole other, like, demon to battle, like, of the thought of someone choosing to take their own life. And that's, like you know, coping with the loss of the person and then coping with the trauma of the fact that that person chose to take their life in maybe one dark moment or maybe a lifetime of darkness. And, you know, pursuing purpose or, you know, coping with, with each loss is so different. But I think, you know, again, I've seen people in my life who've experienced the loss of a loved one to suicide and their purpose becomes to share light, to share light with people so that, and to be there for people, people who maybe, you know, aren't willing to reach out for help or you would never necessarily think that they would be in a dark place, but just treating people kindly and just like showing up for people. I think it's, it's what life is like. That's the substance of life, you know, it's all we have. Yeah, and some people can give, and that's the other thing too, is like, I was in the Bible (laughs) the other day, and it was like, it was all Jesus, the Jesus book, you know, but they, in the Bible, it was, don't ask me to tell you a verse or a chapter or a book or whatever, but it was about, you know, people showing up with gifts for Jesus, and like, these people came with these extravagant gifts, and this woman came with like basically nothing but it was what it was the best that she had and like it was seen that she gave the most and everyone else was like what do you mean I brought you all these extravagant gifts and Jesus was like no but like this was her best and this was everything that she had and like we just get so caught up and like well I don't have the money to give or I don't have the time to give or I don't have you know if you don't have time give money if you don't have money give time if you don't have time or money then smile fucking smile at someone and tell them that they look beautiful in their shirt yeah. you know because like you experienced with like with Kevin and what you guys went through and then going back to work and the people that you work with just seeing that everyone has a story and everyone is struggling with something that we know nothing about and it's so simple it can be so hard but it's so simple to just like have a positive impact on people and to allow that to be like your reason for living the way that you do yeah (laughs) so um what are your next steps 
Next steps. PR my snack. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we're going to open a business? In, yeah, we're going <laughs> to open up Bear together. Um, I think that I am very content right now with, you know, how, how life is, is unfolding. And um, that doesn't go to say that, you know, the grief is still there and it will always be there, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have my good days and I have my bad days. Um, but I am content and very happy with Joel, my love. And <laughs> Your honey. Um, my honey. <laughs> nice job, honey. <laughs> Um, and my next steps are just really enjoying the people that are close to me. Do you think that far in the future usually? No. Yeah. I try not to because. Because yeah. pandemics happen. <laughs> pandemics happen and we have no idea what's going to happen next month. Yeah. But, but the reality is, is. With Kevin passing as well, I, I realized how precious life is. Yeah. And to worry about too far in the future, too far in advance, could be for nothing. Mm-hmm. Takes away from today. It does. A and, lot. <laughs> right. And we can be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, the goal is really to live. It's a lot easier said than done. But really to live each day to its fullest yeah you know and it's not it's not just a quote it's not just you know a cliche thing to say it's it's true it's the truth it's what we have to do um because then we lose sight of what is most important time time yeah, you know, and we we really lose out on the moments with the people that we love the most mm-hmm. because we're so worried and distracted about what's going to happen, you know, 6 months from now, a year from now. Yeah. So, yeah. What's that look like for you? Like living each day to the fullest. What if at the end of the day, how do you look back on a day and say I lived it completely? Uh, you know, it's, every day is not, it, it's not like that. Yeah. Every day doesn't end with, I love them today <laughs> to the fullest. Yeah. You know, some days are, are harder than others, but it's the days that I go into work and, you know, I take care of my patients and they thank me with a slur at the end of their, <laughs> at the end of like their I did my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, for just, you know making them feel good and um not just about taking away their pain but making them making them feel comfortable and safe um those days are fulfilling for me um going home and being able to spend time with Joel being able to work out with him here and at CrossFit and um eat with dinner you know, and and talk about our days and maybe not talk so much about our days, um, but sharing the, those moments together, those are days that are fulfilling to mm. me. Um, spending time with you, spending time with my brother, spending time with my friends um, every now and again. Those are the moments that are most fulfilling for me. And You mean like just living, living? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And then just people just forget. Yeah. Like how, like. It's not something that's like this right. magical, yeah. amazing thing to some people. But to me. It and is, that's how it should be. It is. Because, again, all, it, if all Kevin wanted to do was to be here. Yeah. And that's what I don't take for granted. Yeah. Is that I am here, breathing. Until you've lost the person that you sit down to have dinner with, you don't don't appreciate the act of sitting down for dinner. (laughs) You know, with the person that you love. Yeah. You know, I think that that is just another lesson of like, the little, the little things that aren't that little. Going to the gym with your significant other. It's like people are like, oh, what a pain in the ass. And it's like, 
yeah, but if that's the only time that you get to spend together, until you don't have that, until you don't have the choice, until you want that and you can't have that, then you appreciate it. It's just like learning how to appreciate those things before they're taken from you. Yeah, it's really hard. It is hard. It's really hard. We, We definitely, we are blinded by a lot. Yeah. You know, and and so got to just breathe into it. <laughs> you gotta into take, what? You got to take a moment and you just got to like yeah. breathe and think about what you're doing, yeah. you know? And and again, it's not easy. It's a lot easier said than done. Um, but as soon as I feel that anxiety and mm-hmm. concern and you know, sadness pop up it's like automatic for me I stop and think about what is really going on mm-hmm. and usually it's it's not too much of any it's 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 not it's not a lot right you know it's just it's just my mind's kind of taking over yeah and it's, as soon as I I refocus on what it is that I'm doing right then and there it's like okay here I am here I am this is where I need to be this is what I need to be doing and yeah I'm okay yeah well you talked me off the ledge with a lot of anxiety and things <laughs> um yeah well I love you I love you and I appreciate you sharing all of that with me and you're not an ugly crier <laughs> you're really not you're a great crier my snot's coming down. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's an important message, and, and I hope that people can can take, if I would say, what would you say is, like, your, your one message to people through all of this? What do you want people to take away? From Crystal Meehan Waters. <laughs> uh, biggest takeaway, just live your life freely. Live your life freely. Live your life with intention and focus on the people that you love the most and that love you the most. Yeah. And that's really all that matters. And be kind. Be kind, damn it. That's what my mother-in-law <laughs> taught me. Yeah. She's, her, her MO is just be kind. Yeah. You never know what people are going through. Yeah. You know? It's very true. All right. Well... Thank you all for listening, and yeah, come back again for another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you.